Do you really love the Lord? Yes. yes. Raise your hands. The Lord honors pure worship. Hallelujah, yes. And pure worship can only come from a hum humble heart. That means that you have allowed the spirit of the Lord come in and reduce you from your high place and expose your heart to you the way he see it so that you can confess and turn and feel his presence. When the Bible talks about the one who loves the most is because the one who's been forgiven the most, when you've been forgiven of a lot because you have humbled yourself, Amen. you can feel the presence of the Lord. And in his worship, you worship because you recognize who you used to be and that you're not like that any longer. Amen. Hallelujah. And you're in a new place that you had no clue that you would ever be or how it would feel. But as long as we stay caught up in ourselves and to the routine and to the religion, we won't ever come to that conclusion or come to that recognition. Don't you know that because the enemy wants to hold on to you, he will use devious situations that you are not even aware of because they were habits before to draw you, to keep you in his clutches. He uses deceitful things that you have become common with and accustomed to so that you are not aware that you're operating in error. But when you hear the pure praise of God come out of your mouth, he then will reveal to you the strategies of the enemy because he says, I would not have you to be deceived and be ignorant of the devices of Satan. My prayer is that the body of Christ will come out of religion and church organization and that we will become a body united by the same God, the same faith, the same Holy Spirit, where we worship in spirit and in truth and invoke his presence to come in. Because when he comes in, that's the fullness of your joy. When he comes in, that's when supernatural healing go forth. Amen. When he comes in, that's where pure deliverance comes in and demonic forces have to leave. It's time out for how we've been having services. When I say we, I'm not talking about just this local congregation, but I'm talking about the body of Christ in full. We want to be seen. We want to be acknowledged. We think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And God is not even in the picture. We spew out biblical intellectual precepts that we haven't even embraced ourselves because had we embraced them, there would be a truth that you're overwhelmed by, that you're so convicted by, that you can't stand the phoniness in the religion any longer. Help us, Holy Ghost. Okay, I'm gonna do the closure 
at the end of this message of that YouTube that I showed last week. But before we get into that, I'm going where the Lord has led me. And so I'm going to name this part of the service, the message, blessed is he who's not offended in me. So let's open our Bibles to Luke 7, and in the meantime, I will pray. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And I'm going to pray out of this morning's prayer devotional out of my little book. My praise shall be continually of thee. <laughs> Psalm 71, 6. This is the verse that this writer wrote concerning uh, the devotional of the day. And the person is from Louisville, Kentucky. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, from whom all good thoughts, all good thoughts perceive, grant us the presence of the Holy Spirit, that we may walk humbly before thee this day. Thou art the, art the fountain of our light and the source of all our strength. We render thanks to thee for this home with all its comforts and blessings. We thank thee for all the tokens of thy loving kindness and thy mercies which we have experienced. Be with us this day, O oh God. Make each member of our household be conscious of thy presence. May Christ Jesus be exalted in all that we shall say and do. We thank thee for salvation we ask thee to make us ready for service. Make us ready for service. Did y'all hear that? You don't just come here and sit and soak up, but you serve in the presence of the Lord, Jesus. May each one of us surrender absolutely to Jesus, thy son. May we give ourselves our time, our money, and our influence unreservedly to him. May we care for the lowly and neglected. May we visit the sick and those in distress. May we encourage the tempted and the discouraged and not forget to be fishers of men. Make us wise, blessed master, with thy wisdom and strong in thy strength. May we be loyal to Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Give us vitality of body and make us able to endure. Grant us the spirit of prevailing prayer. Grant us the spirit of prevailing prayer for Jesus' sake. Now, Lord, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Luke 7, verses 19 through 20, 35 is what I want to read. The completion of that YouTube, I think, is about 30 minutes, and we're going to climax with that. Amen. amen? And it says, And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou... He that should come, or look we for another. Art thou the one that's coming, or should we be looking for another? <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Do you believe he's the one? Or are you still looking for something or someone? <laughs> Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. And in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits and unto many that were blind, he gave sight. In that same hour, he cured many that were sick and afflicted and demonized. And to many that were blind, he gave sight. Help me, Holy Ghost. Back to 20, when it talked about the coming one in those days, that was a title for the expected Messiah, the result of a messianic prof prophetic word. And if you would search your Bible in John 6, 47, Jesus says, verily, verily, for surely, listen, I say unto you, he that believeth on me have everlasting life. That was what the Messiah was coming for, to bring everlasting life for those who believe on him and in him. And at that particular time, when the question came up, it says, because there had been people doing miracles on the earth prior to, but nobody came and healed everyone from their infirmities, which was their sickness and their afflictions, or could deliver them from evil spirits, but Jesus. And give, blind, give the blind eye sight, to give the sight to the blind. What was that? Spiritually blinded, not the physical blinded, but to give sight to those who are spiritually blind and remove the scales off of their eyes so that they can see the Messiah and understand the purpose. That is the issue. We are blinded by religion as well as sin, and we cannot see what God has planned for us, what he has in store for our lives that will give us the freedom, the liberation, the joy that we need by worshiping and praising him. And in this time, we need to be asking God, deliver me. Open up my eyes. He's talking about your, the eye in your heart. Not that. So that I can see for the first time. Hallelujah, Jesus. Because when you see the truth, when you actually see the truth, you feel the truth. And when you feel it, you are just disturbed by the darkness, by the lies, by the sin that goes on just how Jesus feels when it happens. Then Jesus answering said unto them, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. How the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. 
not only were the dead in graves, but the spiritual dead was raised up. And that's what we're looking for today, to be raised from spiritual death. And unfortunately, self-included, where you spent most of your life in church, dead. Because we did not hear what we needed to hear, whether it was spoken or unspoken. But because of the relationship we did not have, we had a position, but not a relationship. We had a posture in a building. We had a position in the building, but we didn't have a relationship with the Savior. Therefore, we stayed blind all these years. And now that we can see, we should be rejoicing at every word that is exclaiming who our Savior is. It should be a time of rejoicing because now I can see I once was blind, but now I see. I once was deaf, but now I can hear. And because of that, I have hope. Because I know no matter what's going on, what I am hearing, I have a future because of the Savior that I serve. See, when Jesus was talking about, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me have everlasting life. He wasn't talking about that belief you just speak, the words of salvation. You know how we just speak, okay, we recite that because we believe that is enough to get us into heaven. You think because you have spoken this, you have a guaranteed ticket to heaven? No, he's talking about those that believe me or believe my every word that guides you daily that guides your life daily. You believe my word that it is daily guiding me. I had an experience yesterday with a good friend visitor who we don't see often that came over to do something. And as I'm talking to him about belief, he's gonna share with me his confidence level, which was this gun in his, on his hip, his knife in his pocket. But I believe, I said, yeah, you do. You believe in those weapons. You don't believe in the Lord. He's claiming about how he can hold stuff back and all of this because of the weapons. That's the world sense. That is not godly. My first thought as a born-again believer is what is God saying? Not what I've come to learn by practice for so many days, but that's what we do. We fall back on what we have grown accustomed to of the information that we have acquired when the Bible is supposed to be transforming those thoughts into new thoughts that give you a different kind of faith. So Jesus is, is, is talking about the kind of faith that changes your old thoughts and patterns that, com- that convinces you of things that seem impossible that can be possible. Amen. A kind of faith 
that works love in you, which removes self-centeredness or selfishness. But have you making sacrifices because of your love for Jesus and your faith in him to turn things around for your good? Because the Bible says what the devil meant for evil, God can take it and work it for your good. But you got to believe in the one that can work it for your good and not believe in the evidence of what your eyes, your physical eyes are actually seeing. Because faith is higher than that. He says, we don't walk by physical sight. We walk by faith. And that faith is what's in my heart. But if you don't stand out on God's word ever for him to show you who he is, you want to know his names? Well, lean out on what his word is telling you and let him perform it, and then you'll get to hear a name. And if you're not doing that, then you are not convinced and you can't walk in something that you have never experienced. That's why you're struggling because you haven't tried him. Try me. Prove me, says the Lord. So he says, I want you to believe in me. Have faith in me. And watch me work on your behalf. The list can go on and all of the things that he wants us to believe him for. But he says, believe me for your livelihood and not depend on political parties to provide for you. I'm going to say that again. I know it stepped on some toes. (laughs) Believe me for your livelihood and not depend on political parties to provide for you. First of all, they're doing a very poor job of that. Okay. But dare to step out of the box and stand for my morals and watch me protect and keep you. See, he don't do it in advance. It's your faith that pulls on his virtue and cause him to act and do. Not because you woke up and show up. Amen. 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 See, diseases and afflictions and deliverance from demonic control can open up the blind eyes when you choose to step out on what you don't understand and accept his grace to operate on us. You know, we can open the door with just simple words. Like one of mine is, I know how I am, but help me to be more gracious and accept what I cause in my own life so I can get beyond it. Because as long as I'm begrudging it, as long as I'm talking about it, venting over it, as as long as I'm spewing out the negativity of it, nothing changes until I said, God, help me to accept this mess I made and overcome my feelings concerning it and be more gracious and compassion till you open the eyes of the one who's dishing out this hell. It's a two-fold miracle. It's a two-fold miracle. Amen? 
<laughs> glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's what we have to do. Because then our eyes would be open to see deeper than what we actually see. Amen. So that God can do the greater. And he can perform the miracle that is necessary to be performed. Amen. Amen. So in verse 22, when it talks about all of the miracles that um, Jesus has done, and Jesus is, one, is the one who is speaking it. In other words, what he's doing, he says, go tell John what Isaiah prophesied as a promise that you have just seen the manifestation of. Because he was trying to encourage John, just hold on. Don't get offended. Amen. <laughs> okay? Uh, because as Matthew 5 says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Amen? Amen. And so you're go if, when you're standing and serving God, you are going to get offended. Amen. That means you're going to be persecuted. But that isn't the problem. The problem is how you handle it. <laughs> See, we need to understand offense means to entrap, trip up. Displeasure, it means to entice, entice to sin, to apostasy, or to displeasure. Did y'all hear what I said? That's what offense does, okay? It will entrap you, it will trip you up, it will cause you to be enticed to sin because one sin leads to another. It will cause you to lose your faith and understanding of what the true word is speaking, not on what you have interpreted. So Jesus was sending a message to John. Don't let your present persecutions cause you to forget whose you are and who you are. Remember, I am your Messiah, your deliverer. And your protector, no matter how things end up or how they look on this earth, you win. If you keep your faith and focus on me, for you have eternal life with me in the kingdom of heaven. As a true follower of Christ, we will, we shall suffer. As a follower of his word and not always being comfortable, comfortable in life, we shall suffer. You're not always going to be comfortable in life. Amen. That was never a promise, okay? But nevertheless, for all light afflictions, which is but for a moment... Work it for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You find that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Do not let comfort on earth steal your eternal bliss in heaven with God. For many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God said, I will deliver you out of 
All of them. So don't be offended in Christ. Because if you're in him, serving him, doing the work for him, you're going to be offended. But don't be offended in Christ. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> Amen. You got it? Thank you, Jesus. Somebody is getting it. We're going out. We're going out. You didn't come here to stay forever in a day. This is not your permanent home. You got to leave here. The condition on how you leave is far more important than staying, okay? And how you feeling while you staying. Stop putting all of your everything in here, the here and now, because it's the hereafter that's going to matter. Deal with what's going on here because you got someone that will keep you lifted up to rise above the circumstances and the situation and pull you out and give you a reprieve when you need it. Keep your focus on the prize. The prize is God in heaven. Stop holding on to everything that makes you feel good or make you feel like you important. Important to who? Important for what? Everything on here is temporal. It is going to change. It's going away. But what we do for God is lasting, everlasting. And like they were saying with that song today, a crown and a gown. I don't want just the gown. I want the crown. Because I have proven myself to be a faithful steward. A faithful servant over the things you've given me. What is that? The gifts and talents. Don't get haughty and all caught up with your spiritual gift. Let me tell you, you're no more than a servant and a steward over that. And you're going to have to answer about how you handle it and what you did with it while you were here on earth. Because it was only given to you for earth realm. Not for heaven. You don't get no brownie points. Use it on earth to change things for eternal kingdom of God. Then get your crown. So when you face Jesus, he will say, my good and faithful servant. Not that I never knew you. You prophesied. You taught Bible class. You were an intercessor. Uh, you were an elder. You were a minister, but I never knew you. Uh-uh. Get your mind off of you and put it on him. We deserve to have been on that cross. So stop thinking about what you deserve, what you're entitled to. Because some of the stuff, the consequences that we are experiencing is what you deserve based on your choices. <laughs> some of the consequences that you're facing in life is what you deserve based on your choices. And it's by grace and mercy and your humility to cry out to God, God, I sin. God, I sin. All this hell is coming to me is because I sin. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Raise me up, Lord. Give me a heart to forgive those who have sinned against me. Just like they sinned against him. And yet he died on our behalf. 
help give me the love that you have so I can love my enemy into the kingdom. Hallelujah, Jesus. Don't be offended in Christ as you faithfully and humbly serve him. Do not let what others think, what they say or do, pull you away from your belief and your pure, pure service to the Lord. Because remember, this world is not set up for longevity. It's temporal. And it's going to come to an end. And all that we allow to rule and take first precedence in our life on earth will determine eternal bliss and joy or eternal damnation and suffering. Choose thee this day who you're going to serve. You see, pride and arrogance is deadly. It's deadly. And it's, it's like a sore that never gets healed. <laughs> you have your good days when the band-aid is over it. And the band-aid is over it so that if you knock up against something, you won't feel it. So you think. But when you do, it breaks that sore open, starts it to inflame and festate again. And then you're back in pain again. Uh-uh. You want to be healed? Cut that sore open. Dig out the infection. And then let it heal. Because then when it heals, it heal from the inside out, not the outside in. And it will be totally healed. See, that's what the doctor does. He don't medicate it. He opens it up. Let the pus, the inflammation, the soreness and everything just kind of ooze on out until it's free and clean. And then it, it would, because the body will heal itself. Then it automatically begins to close up and it won't open up again unless you choose to open it and cut it. Amen? That's what we got to do so that God can heal us completely. That's what he wants to do. See, God don't deal with no outward little manifestations like we do. We look at stuff. So what do you think that is? No, the question is, what do you know it is? Let's stop playing these religious games. Go to God and ask him, do surgery on me. Open me up. Cleanse me out so I can serve you with my whole heart, my mind, my soul, my soul, my soul. You remember how David kept saying, soul, bless the Lord, because he knew what was, in, what was in bondage. See, the soul makes up our thinking ability, and it have you do stuff for self-pleasure that you wouldn't ordinarily do. It has you looking for self-satisfaction all the time. That's what the soul does. It's, it's very selfish. Okay? We were born like that. And so, in order to be free, you have work to do. That's when he, Paul says, work out your salvation. You've got work to do. Well, you thought when you said, 
Father, I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins and I receive him, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It's over. That was the door opener to some real work. Once you open that door, now you got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because you can recite that all you like till your complexion turns to a different color. But it is not a guarantee that you're going to heaven because you have to work out your salvation. That means let the word work in you, through you, to cleanse you, purify you, change you, change your view. You don't just come to Jesus and say, okay, and there it is, and you still think the same thing way you was thinking before. You still have the same old thoughts you've had before. You have the same desires. Let me tell you, when you give him your all, you do you know your desires change? Yes. Don't talk to me about, well, I, I did, but I still desire. That's because you haven't given him your all yet. He will change those desires. Those desires don't come with the territory in Jesus' kingdom. They came with the territory in Satan's kingdom. And if you want to get rid of them, you can. Just call on the name of Jesus, and he will clean you from anything that does not edify him, that does not exhort him on this earth, and that cannot take you into kingdom positions like you need to be in. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by the lies of Satan, the deceitfulness of him. He is so deceitful, he'll take something good and twist it around to work it for evil. But our God would take what he meant for evil and work it for your good. When you put your trust in him, when you put your confidence in him, Amen. Oh, Lord Jesus. Let me finish reading these scriptures so I can bring this to a close. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I have to read 23 again. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. Now, those people were the multitudes that are, was, was around, okay? And um, it says, What went you out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went you out for to see? A man clothed in soft remnant? Behold, they which are gorgeously appareled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went you out for to see? A prophet, yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messengers be before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So he's letting them know, about, you come out to see one thing, but this is what I've sent for you to see. And so Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest prophet in Israel's history because he served as the forerunner of the Messiah. You know, we're kind of like a forerunner, okay? 
So he served as a forerunner of the Messiah, introducing the coming of God's kingdom. Nevertheless, those who, I'm going to say we who, enter into God's kingdom will be even greater than John because we will experience what John proclaimed. See, you just can't read that word. You got to walk it. You got to experience it. Amen? Amen. So that's what Jesus is saying. Those who actually experience what John is proclaiming, that means that you've been obedient to the gospel. Hallelujah, Jesus. You will be considered greater in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, um, uh, 29 to 35. But the fairest, um, um, and the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. You know, oh, please, that is our issue. You always got to have some man to, 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 and when I say this, I mean a generic. I'm not talking about women and men. I'm just talking about people in general, okay, to, to verify something to make you feel good about what you've done. You better let Jesus do the verification. Because, see, that is our real problem anyway. We, we got our eyes on people and not on Jesus. He's your Savior. Amen? But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. And the Lord said, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation, and to what are they like? They are like unto children sitting in the marketplace and calling one to another and saying, We have piped unto you, <laughs> and you have not danced. We have mourned to you, and you have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you said, He hath a devil. The son of man is come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine bibbler and a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of all of her children. You see, with people, they're going to find fault. Amen. They're always going to have put you in a box, characterize you by what they see with their natural eye. So why worry? Why worry? Do not let pride and arrogance prevent you from confessing releasing and repenting from your sins and missing out from the salvation Jesus freely have provided for you, saying, Jesus knows my heart. As not your saying grace, in fact, it will help to, to, to send you to hell. You think, in other words, what I'm saying, I have to clear my own thoughts. When you make that statement, well, Jesus knows my heart because you're talking yang. But you, you know, but Jesus got me. That's my boy. And you, thank you. And you think that that's your saving grace. Who? You better recognize only faith in Christ. And when you have faith, faith in Christ, you don't talk stupid conversation. You say what thus says the Lord. Because you have sense enough to know none of that foolishness is going to provide you what you need. Amen. But only the truth. So faith in Christ only, which will 
cause you to turn from evil and sinful ways towards righteousness and practicing to walk in righteousness. And that is what's going to save you. You, let me tell you, you can do all the good deeds you want. Don't think because you show up on certain days and you've been faithful that that's going to get you into heaven. Amen. No, it isn't. Let me tell you, your faithfulness and your commitment to service and all that it provides is because of your love and commitment to God. So that's why I have issues with people who are holding positions and offices in the church who are not faithful and committed to coming because now I see you as doing an act, but it's not unto God, it's unto you. So that people can see you in a different vein. And you're not getting to heaven on that premises. Because it doesn't matter about what man thinks. They don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. It matters on what God sees. And let me tell you, God ponders the heart. He is interested in the motive of why you do what you do. Not how great you are doing or what you're doing, but why do you do it? Examine your heart. What is the motive behind what you're doing? Because when you are committed to Christ, you are committed to the servant that he put over you. You are committed to the work of the ministry because you love the Lord, not because you want to be seen and, 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 and exhorted by another human being. And my commitment is going to be no matter who shows up. Every since the pandemic and I was told to come back and open the church, it didn't matter how many people showed up. I had to be here. It didn't matter how many people that didn't show at the 6 o'clock Bible class that I put together for those who are working. I had to be here. If he said, this is what you do. This is what I do. So if it's nobody here, when I first started the prayer group, it didn't matter if nobody came down to that basement in my house. We're having prayer, Lord. I set it up just like I would do for everybody else. And I went through the the motion and everything that I would do if I had a crowd of people there. And if nobody showed but just me and him, I'm having prayer time and it's going to end at its normal time. Because when you are faithful with a little with a few, he can trust you with greater. And it doesn't really matter because, like I was reminded, only a remnant is going to get through. And my, my accountability, my purpose is to make sure that that remnant, I don't have to have folks flowing all out the door and everywhere else because I don't need nothing to puff me up to send me to hell. If I got... People who are willing, willing to hear the truth because they want to be transformed and spend eternity in heaven with God. That's all that matters. And when I see God, then he will be pleased with a teaspoonful of folks than if I had a thousand followers. Amen. I'm going to do this benediction. The Lord bless you. May Yahweh, he who exists, kneel before you making himself available to you as your heavenly father so he can bestow upon you his promises and gifts. 
and keep you and guard you with a hedge of thorny protection that will prevent Satan and all of your enemies from harming you. May he protect your body, soul, mind, and spirit, your loved ones, and all your possessions. The Lord make his face shine upon you. May Yahweh, he who exists, illuminate the wholeness of his being toward you, continually bring into you order so that you will fulfill your God-given destiny and purpose. And be gracious to you. May Yahweh, he who exists, provide you with perfect love and fellowship, never leaving you and give you sustenance, provision, and friendship. The Lord lift up his countenance on you. May Yahweh, he who exists, lift up and carry his fullness of being toward you, bringing everything that he has to your aid, supporting you with his divine embrace and his entire being, and give you peace. May Yahweh, he who exists, set in place all you need to be whole and complete so you can walk in victory moment by moment by the power of the Holy Spirit. May he give you supernatural health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfection, fullness, rest, harmony, as well as the absence of agitation and discord. And may you have traveling mercies when you leave here. And when you do, tell somebody about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.